0: But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger.
1: Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, it's the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Some doozies. The NHL has a new TV deal. Who's that with? We'll tell you. The Dodgers have been taken over by Major League Baseball. An ugly situation for them. We'll talk about that. Coming up in headlines next, in segment three, Tom Ziller. He's with SackTownRoyalty.com. We're going to discuss the economics of a King's relocation to Anaheim. There are several people in favor of this, and there are several people who don't want this to happen. How does this all break down? We'll talk about that with Tom Ziller coming up in Segment 3. Then in Segment 4, one of my favorite people, Rick Buecher, ESPN's NBA senior reporter, will join us to talk about the NBA playoffs, everything going on in the NBA Of course, the collective bargaining agreement expires about a month from now. We'll talk about that with Rick Buecher from ESPN coming up in segment four. A couple of notes. Visit my sports business blog. Download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow me on Twitter. Find those icons on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm on Twitter at SBRadio. If you... Post a review to our iTunes podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Brian Griggs, NBA playoffs. uh, It's been fun to watch so far.
2: Living up to all the hype. I've uh, enjoyed it. Some great series going on. It's, It's always fun. I love this time of year.
1: And I get to take my daughter to her first ever NBA playoff game this weekend here in Portland. So very excited about that. All right, headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio.
0: This is SBR. Back with more after this.
3: Magic, magic, magic. What? Magic, magic,
1: magic. Magic,
0: magic that I let it will blow your mind. reverse verse, I verse, I hypnotize you with every line. I'll need a volunteer. How about you with the eyes? Come on down to the friends. they right It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I
1: want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. to be in the
3: headlines.
1: Big, big week in the world of sports business. Headline number one. Major League Baseball has taken over business operations for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Griggs, this is pretty stunning. I mean, we've been watching the demise of the McCourts, Frank and Jamie, as they've gone through this nasty divorce. We know that the McCourts, when they purchased the team, you know, in... in are in common knowledge for our listeners, so we don't get too technical. It would be basically like going and saying, okay, I've got my American Express card, and I'm going to put this purchase on my American Express card. It was leveraged to the hilt. There was not a lot of cash involved. I'm surprised. Frankly, that Major League Baseball approved that deal back then. I mean, this is the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're a storied, iconic franchise, and to let the McCords purchase it, you know, there must have been lots of promises made that Major League Baseball thought would be followed through on. In the end, it hasn't happened. We've seen that the team hasn't been able to make payroll. There are reports that the Dodgers and Frank McCourt had to take a $30 million loan from Fox. And I think Major League Baseball, and specifically Bud Selig, said enough. And now we're waiting to see who's appointed. Stan Caston's name has been mentioned. He ran the Braves, and he helped launch the Nationals as someone who would run the business operations. But I think, from everyone I've talked to, that the McCord's days of owning the Dodgers, period, are numbered, which— could open up an interesting legal battle here because, you know, in the future, maybe other owners want to prevent Major League Baseball from coming in and saying, enough, I'm taking over your franchise.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And it just seems like the Dodgers are a little bit of a mess this year. I mean, not not just a little, the, bit? Yeah, a little bit, a lot, not just the ownership, but the, you know, the stadium, they had the security issue, the guys getting beat up, right? the team feels a little off. Uh, I think it's just kind of a, the, whole, the whole vibe down there in LA is a little bit messy right now. Well, I'll tell you what.
1: I lived in L.A. for seven years. I went to school at Loyola Marymount down there. I've got a lot of friends down there still. And all of my friends are, you know, ding-dong, the witch is dead. Get rid of Frank and Jamie McCourt. They can't dance on his grave enough. But it's going to be interesting. What does Major League Baseball do from here? I had a lot of people ask me this week, well, how does Major League Baseball have the right to come in and take a team from someone who owned it? Well, again, I think he's leveraged it so much, and there's got to be some legality or clause in place that says if you default on payroll or if you default on, you know, these numbers that it's allowing someone like Major League Baseball to come in and take the team. So we'll keep our eyes on that story. Our next headline, big, big TV contract for the NHL. So that deal was up. A lot of people like myself thought maybe the NHL would go to ESPN, who they were with before they were with NBC and Versus. But no, that wasn't the case. They re-signed with NBC and with Versus. And this is a 10-year, $2 billion deal, which is the biggest deal by far that the NHL has ever gotten for their TV contract. It's going to work out, Griggs, to be about $6.6 million per team annually during the life of the deal. So this is money that is certainly going to help breathe some financial life into several of the NHL franchises. And, uh, you know, I can see you take that amount of money. I don't know what ESPN's offer was. Probably wasn't close to the two billion. The challenge is going to be, you know, can you? Grow your viewership on Versus still, because not nearly as many people watch Versus as they do
2: ESPN. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many games and how much stuff they put on NBC, because I think they're going to get more people to watch on NBC. Um, I like NBC's coverage of the NHL. I think they do a good job. Versus is is getting better, Um, and like you said, it'll be interesting to see how much Versus takes, how much NBC takes, and what, what it all plays out to be.
1: All right, our last headline of the week, the NFL schedule is out Uh, Saints-Packers. September 8th, if the season starts on time, is going to be the NBC game featuring the last two Super Bowl champions. Here's something that's interesting. It was reported by ESPN's Adam Schefter this week. The schedule leaves open the possibility that there could be no games the first three scheduled weeks, and all 16 regular season games could still be played. So every game in Week 3 has teams which share the same bye week later in the season, so that means teams could make up that week's games on what was originally scheduled to be there by, the NFL also could lose the week between the conference championship games in the Super Bowl and has secured hotel rooms in Indianapolis, which is the site of the next Super Bowl, for two weeks, meaning the Super Bowl could be played a week later than its originally scheduled date of February 5th, 2012. So the NFL season is scheduled to begin September 8th. Full slate of games on September 11 and 12. September 11, the Jets and the Giants will be playing on the 10-year anniversary of 9-11. So lots of things that need to be figured out between now and then, but there is some flexibility built into that schedule. Coming up in our next segment, Tom Ziller. He's a reporter for SactownRoyalty.com. We're going to talk about the latest with the potential of the NBA Kings moving to Anaheim. Then in segment four... Rick Buecher, ESPN NBA senior reporter, is going to talk to us about playoffs. Also, what's the latest with the NBA CBA? That's coming up in segment four. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back.
0: This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up.
1: Has your big toe ever had a gout flare? If you've experienced intense pain, tenderness, and swelling in the joints of your big toe, you might be suffering from gout a medical condition related to arthritis. If you have gout, there are various research studies going on right now that may need your help. One of the studies needs men and women at least 50 years old who have a history of chronic gout, suffer from cardiovascular disease such as a heart attack, chest pain, unstable angina, or complications due to diabetes. Another needs people who have suffered from chronic gout and have been told by a health care provider that they have decreased kidney function. Yet another needs men and women at least 18 years of age who have suffered no more than two gout flares in their lifetime and have never taken medication for gout. If you suffer from gout, call 877-859-7560 or log on to goutstudynow.com forward slash SBR to see if you may qualify for one of these studies. That's 877-859-7560. That's 877-859-7560 The website is SportsBusinessRadio.com My guest is Tom Ziller He's with SactownRoyalty.com He covers the Sacramento Kings Obviously we know that the Kings may be on their way out of Sacramento For the very latest Tom, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio
4: Sure Brian, thanks
1: for having me So, lots of action uh, in the latter part of this week. What's the latest? I see that Kevin Johnson came up with several million dollars in an effort to try and keep the team in Sacramento. Give us the latest.
4: Sure. Uh, Clay Bennett, who's chairing the relocation committee um, for the NBA, he and uh, Harvey Benjamin, who is a, a lawyer for the NBA are currently in sacramento as of friday morning they've been here since thursday uh, meeting with kevin johnson with other regional leaders including uh, the the uh, president pro tem of the california state senate who happens to represent sacramento um, other business leaders um, and they've basically meeting um, to sort of verify the mayor's claims at last week's board of governors meeting that that Sacramento is stepping up to the plate with, with new sponsorships that, that can be offered to the Maloofs and, and the Kings. And also to get an update on, on the ongoing arena planning here in town, because that's, that's the major issue. That's the reason that the Maloofs say that they, they want to go to, to Anaheim, um, is that there's no good arena in Sacramento left. Um, what was formerly known as Arco Arena is 23 years old and has, even when it opened, it was sort of substandard by NBA standards, so. Um, so, the, getting a new arena is really the key, and I think that's where a lot of the efforts, um, in terms of Bennett and Benjamin being in Sacramento, is looking at.
1: Where would the arena be? I mean, they've discussed numerous locations. I've had David Stern on the show, and um, you know, it seems like they just, as he said to me, they've looked at scenarios A, B, C, and D, and nothing has worked out. Where would they put a new arena? Uh,
4: I think right now the the focus is on getting one in the rail yards, which is a an, a, an old. Um, Sort of infill project that happens to be massive and happens to be adjacent to downtown Sacramento. So it's been a big, um, a big drive for for Mayor Johnson's push for the arena has been to get it in the rail yards to help spur downtown development. That's been a big issue for his entire um, tenure as mayor since 2008. Is developing downtown. So I think that's the spot that everyone wants it. Um, the plan that the NBA pursued that that failed miserably um, a few months ago. Push for a downtown arena, um, and that that's sort of seen as the place where the Maloofs have always wanted it. The where where the current arena is, where Power Balance F- Pavilion is, is in Natomas, which is a bit out of out of the downtown area. Um, definitely not walking or public transit distance. It's it's definitely a drive. It's between the airport and downtown. So um, that that's where other cities have gone. Um, have sort of moved to the to the outer reaches of town, but I think here in Sacramento, they they want it downtown.
1: Okay, so we've talked about the arena. We know the Kings have one of the oldest arenas in the NBA. The other part of this financially that makes a lot of sense for the Maloofs is. Going from a market where you write on sacktownroyalty.com that the Kings earn $11 million per year in Sacramento from Comcast for local TV rights. If they can get down to Orange County, you estimate in your story that they could make, you know, maybe $33 million a year. I guess the Clippers uh, are making $22.5 million a year. If you look at the Lakers, they just signed a $3 billion TV deal, not that the Kings or Royals or whatever they would become would ever come near that kind of money. But the point is, there's a lot of money to be made in TV in Orange County as opposed to Sacramento, correct?
4: Uh, I, I think that's the, that's the sense, but it's not necessarily reality. Um, Sam Amick of SI.com reported yesterday that the current offer, at least for next year for TV rights in in Anaheim um, for the Kings would be $20 million, which... It's more than than what the Kings are making in Sacramento, but it's not such a huge amount that it makes it a no-brainer of a move. And I think that's the issue that the NBA has run into is that, um, sure, Sacramento hasn't really worked in terms of getting an arena um, or making a lot of money for the Maloofs lately, but um, Anaheim isn't a slam dunk either. Um, the the TV money. I, when you look at the disparity just between the Lakers and the Clippers, that's sort of what the Kings and Kings slash Royals would have to deal with. They're not going to jump in and be the Lakers. They're not good, first of all. They don't have the the history or the star power down there. They don't have a natural audience or a grassroots movement in Anaheim to get a team. So then they're going to be looking more like the Clippers, and they don't have Blake Griffin uh when we did sort of the back of the na- the back of the napkin calculations on how much the kings could theoretically make in Anaheim off tv um, we were very you know um, rosy in terms of we we wanted to, this is the most amount of money that they could expect to make um, and that didn't necessarily take into account the fact that before the clippers got Blake Griffin um, they were they had an average i think of of 24,000 viewers per telecast In Sacramento last year with the fifth worst team in the league, um, the Kings drew 23,000 viewers on TV per game. So it's not a huge audience boost considering all the other options that that L.A. sports fans have, considering that the Lakers, you know, draw 50 or sorry, 500,000 plus um, viewers per game, so um, it, it's not a slam dunk in Anaheim, and that, that's what I think. The, the TV revenue was always seen as sort of a holy grail for the Kings, but it's looking like it, it's not going to be the payoff that they expected.
1: We're joined by Tom Ziller. He is a reporter for SactownRoyalty.com. He covers the Sacramento Kings. Tom, let's talk about the Maloofs for a moment. There's been a lot of talk in the last few weeks, especially, about will the Maloof sell? What are you hearing there? I'm hearing that, no, they don't want to sell. But, uh, you know, if someone came along, if there's a billionaire that comes along with just an amazing offer, do you think it's something that they would look at? If someone says, I want to keep the team in Sacramento, if you're David Stern and you want to keep the team in this longtime market that's always been pretty passionate about basketball, do you think there's a scenario that the Maloof sell this team?
4: I think they would have to essentially be forced, whether that's forced by the NBA um, or if that's forced by circumstance. Um, that remains to be seen. But I, I think if the team does stay in Sacramento, they have an uphill battle in terms of of having a successful product next year. They've said for, for the last couple of years that they're waiting on this new collective bargaining agreement to to make their big play in free agency in the trades, in the trade market. So um, it's coming up. They they have more cap space than any other team in the NBA this summer. Um, so no matter where that, that cap line ends up after the CBA is signed, um, they're going to have a lot of money to spend. Are they going to spend it if they're stuck in Sacramento for at least a year? So if, if they don't, I could see um, Sacramento leaders, I could see Mayor Johnson going to the NBA and saying, hey, they're, they're not putting in a good faith effort to put a good product on the floor um, so that we can you know, continue to build community support for a new arena. I could see the NBA at that point saying, you know what, if you guys can't afford to run the team, you need to sell it to someone who will. There's someone in place, Ron Burkle, who has said um, that, that he's willing to buy the team and keep it in Sacramento. Um, he's worth a lot of money. He sort of bailed out the um, Pittsburgh Penguins and helped Mario Lemieux uh, keep that team in Pittsburgh, um, and he looks like he wants to do the same in Sacramento. So at that point, um, I think the NBA has a real interest in, in pushing them loose out if, if they don't want to uh, play along.
1: We've got just about two minutes left with Tom Ziller from com. Tom, there's other finances involved in a potential move. So, first of all... Uh, The Kings would have to repay a loan to the city of Sacramento. Then there's relocation fees and and things like that that would have to be paid. So you're talking about, you know, this isn't just the Maloose deciding one day, hey, we want to move to Anaheim and we're going to get the moving trucks and go. This is pretty complicated. Plus, like we said earlier in the conversation, you've got owners in Los Angeles, specifically Jerry Buss, who doesn't want to see another team come into that Southern California territory.
4: Yeah, there, there's so many costs involved in this that it really needs to be a huge sweetheart deal in Anaheim to to really make the numbers bear out. Um, the the loan repayment to City of Sacramento would be 77 million dollars. Um, they owe 70 million, and there's a prepayment penalty, um, so that's 77 million. The loan that they're getting from Henry Samwelli, um, the owner of the Ducks and the operator of the Honda Center, is only 50 million. The other 25 million from the bonds. Um, would be going to renovations to the Honda Center, so they they would be borrowing 50 million to repay 77 million, which doesn't exactly add up, um, and then they they would be on the hook for at least 30 million in relocation fee, which based on precedent would go to the other 29 teams, and then they have the issue of the Lakers and the Clippers, as you mentioned, who seem to want to extract a pound of flesh for any team coming into LA, reasonably so. Um, and given given the mood at the board of governors meeting last week, where um, there was only mild support for a relocation, if that, um, you, you can expect the rest of the, the NBA owners to to support Bus and Sterling, um, and and making it worth uh, their while to allow it to go through. You also have the issue. Um, ESPN reported uh, about a month ago that in that that new lucrative deal that the Lakers signed with Time Warner. Um, they would lose 10% of that value if a third team uh moved into the LA market anytime soon so you're looking at if it's a a three-year um, 20 billion dollar deal as was originally reported that's you know 300 million dollars um, if it's um, a 5 billion 25 year deal as Sam Amick has recently reported that's 500 million dollars um, Jerry Bus could build an arena in Sacramento for that amount, so um, it just doesn't make financial <laughs> sense for for the Board of Governors to approve it unless um, the Maloofs are really willing to pony up quite a bit of money to Lakers and Clippers.
1: Tom, great reporting, really insightful stuff. It's just interesting how a few weeks ago, you know, I think there was a foregone conclusion that the Kings were going to be on their way to Anaheim, and now uh, it just looks like there's so many obstacles in their way. It looks like it may not happen.
4: Yeah, I think the the situation with Seattle really jaded a lot of people to how the NBA would treat this. Where you know if an owner wants to move, uh, the NBA is not going to force his hand and, and keep him there. Um, everyone saw the Seattle situation. I think as, as a little uh, as a little shady, frankly. And um, even though we we've all seen that there were going to be hurdles in Sacramento with the loan with the Lakers, um, we I think a lot of people just assumed that Stern would find a way to make it work. Um, it doesn't look like he's willing to do that. And it looks like he's uh, really trying to, to make Sacramento work, which is a, a pleasant surprise for those of us here in Sacramento.
1: Tom Ziller, SactownRoyalty.com. Tom, how can people follow you on Twitter?
4: Uh, I'm at Teen Ziller, T E A M Ziller, Z I L L E R, um, at Twitter.
1: And I follow you. You're a great follow. Everyone should follow Tom. Tom, thanks so much for joining us on Sports Business Radio this week. Thanks a lot, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com.
0: This is Sports Business Radio.
1: My guest is Rick Buecher. He's a friend of the show. ESPN senior writer, covers the NBA. You can find him on Twitter at Rick Buecher. Rick, how are you? I am good, Brian. How are you? good I know you're very very busy NBA playoffs it's your time of year Um, let's talk about the playoffs before we get into the collective bargaining agreement top storylines for you one thing for me is you know I'm looking at the Lakers obviously they're back-to-back defending champions and they just don't look right Kobe Bryant didn't look right in his last game what are the top storylines for you in the playoffs so far
3: Uh, number one just uh, whether Youth is going to be served, uh, whether it's the Lakers or the Boston Celtics or the, uh, the old guard, uh, the teams built on experience, but old legs. Are they gonna, is that experience going to win out? Or are we going to see the Chicago Bulls or the Miami Heat or the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, come through and, uh, overcome their collective lack of experience and win simply because of their uh, their energy and their greater athleticism, by and large, in the playoffs, experience uh, and execution have been served ahead of athleticism and energy. But in this particular year, they're uh, the 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 favorites that are the old guard are so beaten down and have sh- have showed to be so vulnerable that I-, I just wonder whether we're going to see that uh, that tried and true uh, standard. Uh, Changed and, uh, and and tested here, um, and and then the other part is still just you know the 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 year long uh, experiment that has been the Miami Heat. Um, they have not always looked good um, throughout the course of the season. Um, they're not built like a, a traditional uh, championship team, but uh, because of the vulnerability of of so many of these teams, I just wonder whether uh, the objective of uh, LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh coming together, whether that could actually be realized this year.
1: Yeah, you know what's funny about the Heat, Rick, is it seems like before the season, you know, they had their pomp and circumstance in Miami, and a lot of people were ready to anoint them champions yeah. and yeah. now it's like it's almost like they're under the radar people are not expecting that they're going to win it this year but they're playing yeah. pretty well granted they're playing philadelphia but they're playing pretty well do you think that maybe they sneak in under the radar to the eastern conference finals and then who knows what happens
3: yeah i mean i it, it's it's intriguing I, I look at i look at the way that they've played uh, even against philadelphia they get so much out of transition. But uh, the one element that is that is very impressive, and it's a hallmark of, uh, of of championship teams, is how they play defense. And they are the second best uh, defensive team to Chicago uh, in the league as far as defensive field goal percentage. And when you look at uh, the ability to go to a LeBron James or a Dwayne Wade in terms of scoring, uh, I, I just I, I see the potential. They they don't have the depth. Uh, they they still have a lot of holes, but I look around and quite honestly, I, you know, every team has holes. Uh, you know, the one the one team that uh, in, in that I still believe can play a lot better is uh, uh, are the Lakers. I, I believe that we haven't seen their best. I believe that you know this is just a byproduct of them going to uh, a fourth straight finals uh, knowing that they are trying to get to a fourth straight finals and that's just a physical beat down beat down a mental beat down that nobody in the modern era has done so i don't expect that we are going to see their best until they absolutely have to give it because they just they don't have any extra energy to expend.
1: Yeah, something that people aren't bringing up with the Lakers is think of their schedule the last few years. So they've played in the finals, so they're playing deep into the season. And then you've got their yep. two best players, Kobe and Pau Gasol, who played in the Olympics a few years ago. And they've played yep. you know extended periods of time. They've got a, a lot of mileage on those tires, so to speak.
3: Absolutely, and Lamar Odom did it last summer. Although for Lamar, I honestly believe that the experience for him was was, was a positive one. It's one of one of the reasons he was the sixth man of the year. But uh, w- without question, um, you know Kobe has been has been playing year round, and he's clearly not the same player anymore. And so I I see more than ever um, when, when Andrew Bynum is a force offensively and defensively. And this to me is the, is the great hope the way I saw him play in game two against the Hornets. uh, He was, he was poised. He was aggressive. He, he, he did not look like uh, he was having any knee issues when he is that lively. uh, He makes up for a multitude of sins. Uh, He can deliver the kind of energy that they're missing from these other guys. So, um, that that is where uh, that's the whole card for, for the Los Angeles Lakers. And, and I, I will say this, I do under, I, what I, what I respect about Kobe at this point is that he understands where he's at and he's trying to utilize these other pieces. Uh, a lot of people bring up the statistics that, uh, you know, that when he takes, I don't know what it is, 20 plus shots or whatever it is that uh, when he dominates the offense, that, uh, that they, they don't win as often and they're not as good. Well, Yes, um but then people immediately make the presumption that that's because well Kobe's just being selfish. No, Kobe does that when Pal Gasol and Lamar Odom and those other pieces are not aggressive. He's not going to sit around and wait. He'll he'll take over if nobody else is uh is, is being aggressive. But if those guys are are attacking and they are they are being aggressive, he's more than happy to give up the ball and share it at this point because he knows he knows he has a long road a- a- ahead of him. And I just, I remember talking to him after game seven of the NBA Finals last year. He's, and, and we, he said, can we sit down and do this? And he's never, he's never asked to do that. And I I was doing an interview for, for uh, ESPN radio. And we sat down and I said, you, you look exhausted. He goes, I've never been this tired in my life.
0: Wow. Uh,
3: Which says a lot when you think about uh, the training that Kobe Bryant has put
1: into the game. We're joined by ESPN's NBA senior reporter, Rick Bucher. Rick, playoffs are all well and good. It's been a tremendous year on the court. TV ratings up big time. Um, Business is good for the NBA, but... As we all know, the collective bargaining agreement is soon to be expiring. I'm not encouraged by what I continue to hear. I know you're close to the conversations as well. We know that, you know, the BRI, the basketball related income, needs to be adjusted. We know the owners want the players to take a big pay cut, the number that had been out there previously, $800 million across the board. The owners have said this economic model does not work for us going forward. What are you hearing? Do you still think we're going to have a work stoppage?
3: Oh, there's, no, uh, there's no question we're going to have a work stoppage. It's just a question of uh, are we going to miss games and how many games are we going to miss? Technically, if we don't have a deal in place uh, by July 1st, that, uh, that then, then a lockout begins. And once that lockout begins, they, they don't get back to negotiating until September. Uh, and then if they don't get something done uh, in, in the first couple of weeks of September then we're more than likely to miss games. The the owners, uh, the the essence of it is that the owners are asking for such drastic cuts for just such drastic changes. I mean to the point where the the top guaranteed salary would be 11 million dollars a year. That's that's more than uh that's less than half of, of what guys are getting as guarantees now, uh, they want to roll back 30% of existing contracts. I just don't see any way, shape, or form that the that the players uh, agree to a deal that severe until they start missing paychecks, until they suddenly realize, wow, they're they're really not going to budge. They're going to ask for this, or maybe something worse, and that doesn't happen until November 15th. So. I just, I find it very, uh, I find it highly, highly unlikely that, uh, the players are not going to come to terms with the new economic reality, uh, until it starts hitting them in the pocketbook and they literally are looking at it and saying, wow, I'm, I'm losing money now, money that I may never get back, and the owners are more than willing to miss this entire year. They can afford it, but I certainly can't.
1: Rick, we've seen the NFL Players Union use the tactic of decertifying. Do you yeah. see any scenario where Billy Hunter and the NBA Players Association says, "You know what? Seems like it worked for the NFL yeah. players. It's really our only option." I mean, I don't think the players have any leverage at all. Do you think that the players go, "You know what? We're going the NFL path, and we're going to decertify"?
3: I, I don't. I don't see. Uh, I don't see that as a uh, as a realistic possibility because. The um, the difference between the NFL and the NBA is that the NFL they get all their money up front. Uh, it's all they have contracts, but the only guaranteed part is the bonuses. Um, for the NBA to decertify, it means all the existing guaranteed money goes away, and uh, never mind the LeBron Jameses and the Chris Bosches and, and the Dwayne Wade and, uh, and the Kobe Bryants who have you know would be losing. Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars that are guaranteed now, but those mid-range guys, the guys that are you know have guaranteed contracts uh, of thirty million or so, they'll never stay, they're they're giving all that up uh, with the the very good likelihood that they never see it again. I just I don't see guys willing to 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 throw all that into the pot uh, to gain leverage collectively. Uh, that's the big difference. The NFL, the guys who 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 uh, the players have the money that they were going to get, by and large. They know that their their contracts are uh, written in <laughs> in watercolor, essentially, because they're not guaranteed. Uh, that, that's the big difference.
1: We've got just a few minutes left with Rick Buecher. Rick, last time around when there was a collective bargaining agreement, there was a provision put in place called the Amnesty Provision. And what it yep. did was it gave the owners the ability to – Pay one player on their team, pay the contract in full, but that contract came off of the salary cap to allow the team to have future flexibility. Do you yep. see uh, a scenario where the amnesty provision comes back into play during these CBA negotiations?
3: Uh, yeah, I think it's a possibility, uh, certainly, but there, I mean, it, it, it's almost, it has to be because if they're, at, if they're looking at a hard cap and they're looking at reducing the, the, the contract so extensively, They're going to have to find a way to get off of some money and uh, allowing teams to uh, to to toss basically a a big unwieldy contract uh, is is one of the vehicles that would allow that to happen. Um, So, yes, I I see that as as a very realistic possibility.
1: What about franchise tags? I know there's been a lot of talk, especially after last summer with super friends in Miami. You know, the NFL can franchise tag guys, means your star players, your Peyton Mannings, Tom Brady's, you can slap that tag on them and they can't go anywhere, but you've got to pay them top five at their position. Do you think that David Stern in the NBA might say, you know what, we don't want guys moving around, joining forces, so we have a few super teams and we'd like to have franchise tags going forward? What do you think of that idea?
3: Well, I, I believe they'll put that on the table as a as a bargaining chip. But if they have a hard cap, uh, honestly, I don't see that movement uh, being. Uh, I see that movement being greatly restricted as uh, as a result. Um, it, I don't know that you need both a franchise tag and a hard cap because the ability of a guy to go someplace else. Uh, and get a big contract is just it, 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 it won 't be there you won 't be able to uh, clear enough cap space uh, to to go after another big ticket.
1: Explain to our audience about the hard cap. I mean you know we 're at a certain level right now, and the owners want to have a hard cap. Explain to people just what that means because it would drastically affect how owners are able to sign players going forward.
3: Well essentially, it means you have x uh, amount of money to spend. Uh, on your salaries and you don't have any ability to go over that. So, uh, if it's 50 million, you have 50 million dollars to spend. Um, right now there are vehicles where you have the bird exception and, uh, the mid-level exception. Uh, you have various ways in which you can sign players, uh, and, uh, and go over what is, what is considered the salary cap and retain guys. Well, in this instance, um, you you would not be able to do that. Uh, you would not be able to trade and, and acquire guys and take more money on. Um, it would be essentially, because even teams that are over the cap now, they can trade dollar for dollar and they can add pieces. Well, this would be, look, this is the amount of money you have to spend and uh, and, and there's no going over it. So if you've already spent $45 million, uh, you have $5 million to add another player. You can't do something to change that.
1: So you look at a team like Miami that has all this money tied up in LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. I mean, by that logic, either they're going to have to have a lot of minimum guys, or one of those guys has to go.
3: No, that's exactly right. And that's, uh, that, that is That is the one crux of this that I'm not clear on yet, is exactly how the owners are going to implement this. Are they going to grandfather things in? Um, but they're also talking about reducing everybody's salary by 30%, existing contracts. Uh, so. But ultimately, yeah, I would I would expect, you know, very likely uh, that um, some of the teams that have uh, three superstars um, in in the case of Miami for long term contracts, they would probably be forced to move one of those guys uh, to to reduce their salary.
1: Interesting. Last question. I know that you're based in the Bay Area, probably watching the Kings situation. You know, I could say a million things about that situation, but the thing that has caught my attention more than anything is how ironic is it that Clay Bennett, who moved the Sonics out of Seattle Mm -hmm. to Oklahoma City, is the chair of the relocation committee? I just found that very humorous.
3: Yeah, well, he knows how to do it. I mean, Yeah, he does.
1: well i mean just from uh, that fact alone you've got to think that i mean he's coming in with a, a roadmap for the Maloofs or for anyone who wants to move their team and he's the chair of the relocation committee
3: yeah well uh, it look he, he knows the i mean realistically this is a business proposition and how do you make uh how do you make this work for the league i mean we i, I believe the public perception is you know how would you have the 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 fox who uh, uh fox guard the chicken house but that's that's not the way. That's not the way. the The, the reality is, the chicken house, the NBA owns the chicken house. So, if you want to make sure that if you're moving the Sacramento Kings, that uh, you are doing it in a viable way, a guy who successfully uh, made the move from Seattle, a huge market, to Oklahoma City, a smaller one, uh, and has been able to fiscally make it work. I would say, quite honestly, uh, from a business standpoint, that is the guy you would want running it because he's going to know how you do it and do it uh, to financial success. And that's really what this is about. I know there's a lot of other emotion in it uh, as far as uh, fans and public are concerned. The NBA doesn't look at it that way. They look at it as a business.
1: I know it's a fluid situation, but what are you hearing about the Kings? Do you think they're going to get to Anaheim, or do you think there's going to be enough opposition from other owners, specifically the owners in Los Angeles, to prevent them from making that move?
3: I don't see the Maloof selling the team, and I could see potentially them staying in Sacramento one more year. Uh, you know, giving giving the the Kings and the city of Sacramento uh, another another year to try to figure something else out, but look they've been they've been banging on this thing for uh... several years now i just don't know that the uh... the demographic uh... and the financial situation there uh... makes it viable so uh... if if uh... anaheim is a completely different market from l a really has to do with the TV rights uh... and the lakers and what they would lose but that kind of stuff can be worked out and uh... and so okay maybe it's not anaheim but i just i don't see a financial model in Sacramento. They have not been able to find a solution. And short of the Maloof selling the team, which they say they are not going to do, I just don't see a way in which they make it work in
0: Sacramento.
1: It is an interesting time in the NBA. Rick Buecher, ESPN's NBA senior reporter. Find him on Twitter, at Rick Buecher. Rick, always great to catch up with you. Thanks so much for making the time. You got it, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision-maker from the world of sports, in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We are back, and as we wrap up the show, it was announced this week and reported by Bloomberg News that Wimbledon... Is going to boost pay for men's and women's champions beginning this summer. $1.8 million each, Greg. So uh, if you win Wimbledon, it's a nice payout. And I do like that they pay the men and the women the same some people you know a few years ago were like well the men have to play best of 5 and the women only have to play best of 3 look i think it should be equal pay and i'm glad to see that it is
2: yeah i agree with you and uh, that's good you know it's always good for the players it gives you a little bit more to play for and might uh, bring uh, bring the passion up a little bit bring the excitement of wimbledon it's good. it's a good tournament
1: all right later today i am going to blazers mavericks game 4 here in portland first time i'm taking my daughter to an NBA playoff game. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, You know, it's an afternoon game, which I like, too. A lot of times it's late night, and uh, you know, it's past bedtime, and uh, I just think playoff atmosphere, Griggs, is so different than the regular season, so I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, I remember my first playoff game, and just like you said, it is like night and day. I mean, and us being in Portland, we have good fans here it's, it's always loud and crazy, but yeah It is ramped up in the Rose Garden My first playoff game
1: quickly 1976, so I was 8 years old Phoenix Suns, Boston Celtics NBA Finals Kevin Stakem, who played for the Celtics Ricky Sopers for the Suns Get into this brawl, and it spills Off the court, into the row, right in front of me And my dad, so that's one of my Earliest sports memories, but I fell In love with NBA basketball uh, After that series
2: that's awesome, and you went home with a couple of bruises, too, so it's great. <laughs> no, no bruises for me.
1: Dad uh, protected me That's from good. the melee, but uh, I thought, wow, these are good seats, and uh, the action is right on top of us. All right, a lot of thank yous on the show this week. Rick Buecher from ESPN, Tom Ziller from com, Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Patrick O'Neill, Darren Pack, Ron Barr, James Harrison, Doug Zanger. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Click on the iTunes icon on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com to have our podcast downloaded to your iTunes every week. We'd love it if you post a review of our podcast on iTunes. Please take a few seconds to do that. Follow me on Twitter at sb. Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. I learned how to get along, and so your back from outer space. I just walked in to find you here without that look upon your face. I should have changed my fucking lock. Has your big toe ever had a gout flare? If you've experienced intense pain, tenderness, and swelling in the joints of your big toe, you might be suffering from gout a medical condition related to arthritis. If you have gout, there are various research studies going on right now that may need your help. One of the studies needs men and women at least 50 years old who have a history of chronic gout, suffer from cardiovascular disease such as a heart attack, chest pain, unstable angina, or complications due to diabetes. Another needs people who have suffered from chronic gout and have been told by a healthcare provider that they have decreased kidney function. Yet another needs men and women at least 18 years of age who have suffered no more than two gout flares in their lifetime and have never taken medication for gout. If you suffer from gout, call 877-859-7560 or log on to goutstudynow.com forward slash SBR to see if you may qualify for one of these studies. That's 877-859-7560. That's 877-859-7560. Eight seven seven eight five nine seventy five sixty.